evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. We're alive, Matt. Awesome. We're, we're alive. We made it through Snowpocalypse 2018. Oh. And we, it's, uh, some of y'all, if y'all are on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, y'all, y'all know we made a post that we're getting to recording this late because we had Snowpocalypse hit yeah. Tennessee here. Three inches. Three inches of snow. Three inches will shut down <laughs> Tennessee. And I know our Canadian friends and our friends up in the Northeast and stuff, they are laughing at us right now. Right. But to be honest with you, it's not Matt or I that really have the problem with it. It's Metro road crews that have a problem with it. Right. They do not know how to take care of roads. And apparently, nobody knows how to drive either. Because, oh, no. like, what was it? Two hours into the snow, we'd gotten maybe a half inch. And there was a 10-car pileup on one of the overpasses, just somebody losing control. And I guarantee I know what happened because I was behind some of these explicit, explicatives. That I, I can cuss, but I can't even say that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the, uh, the people will get going, and then they will slow down going up a hill. So that means they have to then apply the gas. Well, guess what happens when you change your speed on ice? You spin. You spin, you slide, you fall off into a ravine, or you slam into other cars next to you, or you slide back into me. So I was all sorts of foul language on the drive home when they closed work early, and I was driving home, and yeah, the roads were slushy, but you just drive, just a slow, steady speed, fast enough to get up that hill without having to apply the gas again and just keep going slow. Also, don't apply the brake going downhill. Right. Bad idea. Yeah. Because once again, you'll cause a wreck. <laughs> you'll cause a 10-car pileup on the interstate that shuts it down for four hours. So anyway, that's my complaint about yeah. Tennessee people and snow and... Primary complaint, learn yeah, how to drive. Exactly, which is my primary complaint and about... Pe- people around here don't know how to drive in good weather, much less... That's that. true. And you have more, I guess, more freedom to say that since you're from here. Yeah. You know, I just seem like a jerk saying it. But, no, no. no. You know. I mean, it's it's been that way my whole life. And even the threat of snow around here, <laughs> yeah. it's just people just lose their mind. Well, I, I had to stop at the store uh, last week to get dog food. And I thought, you know what? I want to see what they've done. Cause it, I mean, this store was packed full of people. So you always hear, well, you know, during a, during a snowstorm, you got to make sure you go by the store and get your milk and bread and eggs just in case you're trapped in the house for days. First of all, when have you ever been trapped in your house for days in Tennessee? Never. Once. Once. Once in my lifetime. Okay. Well, that in in your lifetime that and yeah. that was an ice storm. That wasn't snow. Yeah. So there's no reason to have milk sandwiches right. when the snow starts falling. You know, 
but I went through the dairy aisle just because I thought I'm going to, I'm going to see. And sure enough, most of the milk was gone. Most of the butter was gone. And there was like two cartons of eggs left on the shelf. Like I've always thought it was weird because I, I normally wouldn't survive on milk and bread and no, eggs. And no. Like, if I'd be like, send me to the cheese it aisle. Where right. are the Doritos? Right. <laughs> if you're technically prepping for like the power to go out or something like that, you don't want dairy products when there's no power. <laughs> right. Get a bad move. Get canned goods if you if you're really worried about it. Get canned goods and get bottled water. Yeah. Stop buying milk and eggs and stuff. I mean, I guess you could go throw it out in the backyard if there's that much snow, but, you know, seriously. Yeah. Anyway, sorry that uh, <laughs> our Canadian friends and everybody had to listen to our rant about the the crazy South here. But um, we wanted to quickly say congratulations to Dr. Chris Cogswell of the Mad Scientist podcast. If y'all don't know, he has just been named the director of research for MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network. And that's a big deal. And we're proud of him and think he's going to do a really good job for them. Yeah. And if you haven't already, you know, go check out the Mad Scientist podcast. Yes. I think if you enjoy this rhetoric, then I think you really enjoy something that's truly, you know, fact-based, science-based. Right. You somebody know, it's, that... It's really, really interesting. Somebody that really knows and understands the yeah. facts that he's saying, because we can read you out some facts, but I may not know what I just yeah. said. I mean, get that information from an actual scientist, not two doofuses sitting here at a table <laughs> with a microphone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, he, but listen to us, too. Yeah, seriously, listen know. to us. I mean, since we directed you to him, you've got to listen to us. But we've got this week, we've got on our potty break, we've got a couple for you. We've got the Secret Transmission podcast and the Amazing Nerd Show. So let's take a break. We'll let you hear from them, and then we'll be back. Testing. My name is Toby, and I'm the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates, at Secret Transpod. So get ready to put on your tinfoil hats and come learn with us as we try to explain the unexplainable. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. We're a podcast that takes a deep dive into nerd culture. Every episode, we will talk comics, movies, video games, and even wrestling. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. The Amazing Nerd Show. The show you never knew you wanted. Okay, Matt. So what are we talking about this week? Tonight, uh, we're going to discuss My Little Pony. Oh, no. So I'm, I'm sorry. that I got the wrong notes. Bronies and... <laughs> little joke there. Little Hope you pink got it. horses. I got, and... little, I got little kids at home. <laughs> um, tonight, we're going to be talking about skinwalkers. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. 
Yeah, skinwalkers are weird. Skinwalker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you got me with that one. Good job. So, like Matt said, we're doing skinwalkers. And some of y'all may know, think you know skinwalkers because you've heard it on maybe other podcasts or you've seen the movie or something like that. But we kind of took a deep dive on this to try to find you guys some information that we didn't know previously. And one of the things we did, I went in and I talked to a buddy of mine who is Navajo and skinwalkers are from the Navajo legends. And one of the reasons you don't know much about skinwalkers from Navajo is because they don't talk about them to the Navajo people. Skinwalkers are telepathic. They can read your mind and they can teleport. So if you talk about them, they may know that you're talking about them and then harm will come upon you for talking about them. So I didn't record the conversation with my buddy and I'm going to leave his name out just for his own benefit. You know, I don't want to get him in trouble with any, any of his elders or anything like that, but let's get into what I learned. Now, according to Navajo legend, a skinwalker is a medicine man or a witch who has attained the highest level of priesthood in the tribe, but he chose a different path. He chose the path of selfishness and power for evil. And in order to do that, he takes the form of an animal to inflict pain and suffering on others. They're described as fast and agile, and they're mutations of the animals. They don't look exactly like the animals. They're mutations of. Most of the time, they're seen nude, but sometimes there are stories of them in tattered shirts or jeans, just what they had left over. Uh, to become a skinwalker, you have to perform one of the most evil deeds you could think of and what is abhorrent to the tribe. You have to kill a family member that's close to you or, you know, like your sister or your brother or your mom or dad. And that is the first step because it shows your desire and what greed you have and allows you, I guess, to be taken into that dark realm. So you can't just go kill some vagrant. Right. And and pull this off. Right, because that has no there's no sacrifice. Exactly. There there's no deep meaning to you. Now, according to legend, they take the form mainly of five different animals, but they can take the form of any animal they want to. The top 5 that they normally take the form of are coyote, owl, fox, wolf, or crow. And they have to wear that pelt, wear the pelt of the animal that they want to change into. So because of that, the Navajo tradition keeps you from wearing animal pelts, except for animals that are prey. If it's a predatory animal, you're not allowed to wear that skin. So you can wear doe skin 
you can wear something like that. But if you wear coyote or bear or anything, they may deem you a skinwalker. So if you decide to become a skinwalker and you want to wear this pelt to change into it, there are different attributes that are, I guess, that come with each pelt. So like the wolf, the coyote, the dog, and the fox will grant you stamina, enhanced senses, and the ability to traverse great distances at speed. The bear will give you strength and endurance. The cougar will give you speed and grace and stealth. And the crow and owl gives you keen vision, sharp talons, and the ability to soar. So basically, the attributes of that animal is what you take on. And that's the reason that you would choose that. Depending on what you wanted to do, you would choose that animal. And along with wearing the pelt... Some skinwalkers are known to wear the skulls of that animal as well because it apparently brings additional power to the witch. And it said in the form of an animal, that skinwalker is more powerful than the natural beast. They, even in human form, have a preternatural speed and strength, and it's just, it's an easy kind of easy way to tell because this coyote's running faster than a coyote can run. Yeah. You know, or man, that, that, that dude wearing that wolf jacket, man, he's really fast. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he, he's keeping up with that car and that's a cool wolf jacket. He's yeah. got Ooh, what a giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Now my buddy told me that in, he spent time on the reservation but he didn't live on the reservation. So one time when he was there, he he said he asked one of the elders what the canyon in that little mountain there that's on that cuts the reservation in half. He said, what is that? Why do I get a weird feeling about that canyon? And he said, well, in the 1800s, some real powerful medicine men in the tribe wanted to get rid of witchcraft in their tribe. So they gathered up all the people that were, I guess, accused of practicing witchcraft or had been seen practicing witchcraft, took them down to this canyon, and they were going to burn them to rid the tribe of witchcraft. And 20 or so of them escaped because in Navajo tradition, if you burn to death, then you cannot be whole in the afterlife. So nobody wants to go that way. That's just not a way to go. So they escaped, and that apparently is why, even to this day, that there is witchcraft or the witchery way, according to the way it's said in Navajo, that that's why it's still around. And that's why we still have skinwalkers and everything to this day is because some of them escaped. Now, in regards to magical practices of skinwalkers, they're said to gather in small groups in dark caves in order to initiate new members, plot, 
kill people from distance with black magic and engage in necrophilia, of, of course, commit cannibalism, incest, and grave robbery. This is where they also perform their dark ceremonial rites that are blasphemous to the Navajo religious ceremonies. So it's kind of like in, if you want to talk in European terms, it's kind of like Black Mass, where it's all in a mockery of God and Jesus and all that. It's the same in Navajo and the Black Magic witches. So in their ceremonies, most Navajo during religious ceremonies will sprinkle pollen, which is a sacred blessing. Instead of doing that in Skinwalker, they scatter dust that's made of powdered bones, so corpse powder. That powder is also used to poison victims, make them sick, stuff like that. The Skinwalkers will use bows that are carved from human shin bone to attack victims. And the arrows usually tipped with bone or whatever and dipped in the corpse powder. And they'll resort to grave robbery to increase personal wealth or to collect ingredients for these black magic spells, like the bone and everything for the corpse powder. But that's not the only way they can get rich. According to tradition, there is a way of what is called fee splitting, where one skinwalker will put a curse on somebody and make them ill. And that person will then go to a witch doctor. You know, they think it's a medicine man, but it's a witch doctor. And get healed, and they'll pay that witch doctor, and then they split it. But... There's a lot of other ways. That's like the nicer way that they could do it. That's the pyramid scheme. Version. Exactly. That's exactly. The Native American Amway. Right. <laughs> Skinwalker Amway. You got to love it. Um, they also have the ability to, when they lock eyes with a person, they have the ability to take this person's body. And they can allow you to, or I guess not allow you, they make you do things for them, like steal kill, whatever. And at that point, you're always under their spell. So don't ever lock eyes with a skinwalker. Now, they don't exactly know, you know, how all of that, all of this is done, obviously, because there's no skinwalkers that are going to talk about it. But there are voodoo-like rituals that they'll perform where they get your hair and wrap it around a a piece of jewelry and all that. Yeah. I was just thinking this sounds a lot like voodoo. Yeah. It's very much like the, the darker side of what voodoo is, but they're known to feed off the life force of their victims. So feed off of fear and terror and the energy that escapes your body when you die. So obviously they've got to eat, but their main source is your bodily energy. So when they curse you, when they place a hex on you, the main thing is to make you wither away. So you think you're just sick and ill, but you're withering away because of that. So they're slowly draining your your life force 
away. Right. You know, essentially feeding on you. Right. And they, you know, they'll stalk victims. They'll run down the road chasing cars. They'll, you know, anything to heighten your fear because that's what they need. They need your fear. Chasing cars. So there must be like right skinwalker dog right well i mean they're coyotes it's canine you know <laughs> so you 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 take out all the positive attributes of an animal yeah i guess it you know the negatives come along with it too so you know you you chase cars you pee on fire hydrants and <laughs> right exactly exactly uh, <laughs> i'm just picturing i a, couldn't resist i was I'm, like chasing cars i'm just i'm just picturing a guy in a in tattered clothes with dog legs peeing on some car tire in the parking lot. Yeah. You know? So if you, if you see one native American guy in tattered clothes peeing on a fire hydrant and another native American guy in tattered clothes comes up and sniffs his rear end, mm-hmm. they might be a skinwalker. Yeah. <laughs> It's that here's your sign thing. Or he might be watching South Park. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Could be South Park. Um, Now, talks about, we we talked about what they do, how they, how they kill and all that. But, you know, is there a defense against skinwalkers? Because you wonder, okay, is there, can I defend myself if they come at me? Well, Yes and no. I mean, the the best way they say is to avoid it at all cost. And they say watch animals because other animals get a feeling when a skinwalker comes, even in the form of an animal. They know that it's not truly an animal and they will act extremely bizarre Um, in the skinwalker form, the animal that they take the form of can hurt and kill them where nothing else can. So if they take the form of a coyote, then a coyote can turn on them and kill them, but you may not be able to. So keep some coyotes around. Yeah, I've got, got a coyote and a fox. and <laughs> Right. Just keep one of every animal just in case. I got a wolf back here and a big dog. Yeah. Um on the observant part, you know, the the skinwalker is not going to look you know as a perfect imitation of that animal. It may be bigger, it may not walk right, something off with the way it barks or howls, and I keep going back to coyote, but that's just the easiest thing. You know, it, it may not fly right if it's an eagle. There's going to be something off because it doesn't exactly know how to control that body. Um, Skinwalkers can be killed, but they have to be shot with bullets or a arrow or something that has been blessed by a medicine man and dressed in holy ash. So, you know, there are stories of skinwalkers being shot and dying and it not being from a holy bullet, but I mean, really, if you want to just go get your gun blessed and you'll be doing better. And I read something about the, the fatal blow has to be in the neck 
you know, in, in the neck region. I don't know if you found anything like that in your research, Adam, but, um, you, you know, something about if, um, you know, if you were going to shoot an animal that you sus- had a, had suspicion that it was a skinwalker, you know, you shoot them in the leg, you shoot them in the chest, it's it's not going to hurt them. Right. You know, the that fatal blow has to be to the neck. Right. I so. didn't I didn't hear anything about that or see anything about that, but there were you know you go looking up skinwalker stuff and there's so many things out there that are not they don't fit the the Navajo paradigm. So it's like something somebody just made up, you know, or they got it from the movie or yeah. something like that. So yeah. um, you kind of have to weed that out as you're going through just because of, I mean, it's the Internet. Not everything is real well, on the and, Internet. And two, like you said, there's not a bunch of people sitting around going, uh, I'm a skinwalker and. This is how I do it. Yeah, this is exactly how I do it. And even on the flip side of that, you don't have a lot of Navajo people saying, hey, these are skinwalkers and this is what they do and this is how they do it and this is how you kill them. They're not talking about it. Right. You know, they don't they don't want to bring that evil upon themselves. Right. So they're not talking about it. There's not people going out claiming to be skinwalkers. So the history here is going to be muddy um, to say the least. Right. You know, you, you're going to get some contradicting information. Right. And very know. spotty information. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're touching all bases here about what we've been able to find and learn about skinwalkers and uh, how the, how they do it, what they do, why they do it. Um, you know, so we're, we're not putting this out here as this is the gospel truth. This is graveyard tales. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you get what you get. That's you know? right. This, this is what we found out for you guys. Right. This is what we were able to find. So, you know, we're, we're going to share it. We're not, we're not saying it's, you know, the yep. God's honest truth. We're saying, Hey, this is what we found. And it's kind of cool. So, you know, if if some things we say sound like, oh, well, they just said that a minute ago. Well, it's it's because, you know, we get conflicting stories. You know, we're going to share conflicting stories, but that's why. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, the conflicting stories, that that's all there is with this, you know. Right. And in some of the, the stories you'll tell in a little bit, it, you know, they're all over the map anyway. Right. So you've got, you know, it performing this way in one scenario and it performing this way in another scenario, and it's not always the same. So that being said, Matt, why don't we go ahead and get into your stories? Okay. Um, if you guys are, are, are listening to us, if, if, you're, if you're new to us, welcome. Uh, if you've been around a while, you know that um, one one of the podcasts that we're heavily inspired by is Astonishing Legends. And if if you're not familiar with Scott and Forrest, 
give them a listen. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys are, are fantastic. The pod fathers, um, the pod fathers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we, uh, they did, uh, a three part episode mm-hmm. on, on this stuff and a deep dive and, and hopefully we're going to touch on some things that, that they didn't, we're going to mention some things that they did. Um, if, if you enjoy this topic, then, and some of these stories, go give them a listen, but again, listen to us first. Right. Because, um, uh, we think some of these stories are really cool and, and you talk about rabbit holes. We start getting into these stories. It's, it's going to go off on tangents. You know, that's even hard. It's hard to believe. Right. I mean, the direction some of these stories go. Well, I mean, that's the thing. All the all the reading that I did I, during those snow days and everything, I read a lot of books, and it it'll take you down rabbit holes and everything. But the the stories are there. The information behind the stories are are not really there. There's not much explanation for the stories even though you want to look it up because they, they are so off, you know, they're so right. right out of the norm that people have no explanation. They haven't been able to track it down. Yeah. So I lead in that way because you, you cannot, you cannot talk about skinwalkers without talking about the Sherman ranch, the Sherman ranch, also known as Skinwalker Ranch. Now, the Sherman Ranch or Skinwalker Ranch is about 480 acres of land just southeast of Ballard, Utah. And if you're familiar with that area of the United States, uh, Ballard, Utah sits um, slightly southeast of Salt Lake City. Uh, right in there where, you know, Wyoming and everything, they all kind of get together and there's a lot of crossing over state lines in there and Indian reservations. And these... A bunch of reservations. The, the, the ranch actually borders the Ute Indian Reservation right there, uh, like I said, just, just southeast of Ballard, which is you know, south, southeast of Salt Lake City, uh, just to kind of give you a, a, a geographical reference. So this area of land was purchased by Terry and Gwen Sherman in 1994. They had two children, and their plan was to go there and form a cattle ranch. Right. This, this was their dream. This is what we're going to do. So the, the day, the day, that they're beginning to move all their belongings in. They're outside and they've got some, some prized Angus calves, you know, in a, in a little corral and they're, they're doing work and they're getting stuff ready and they're moving stuff in. And a wolf just starts approaching them. And, you know, a, a wolf in this part of the country is not unheard of. Right. You know, People know what they are, they know how to recognize them, and they know what to do when one comes near. Right. Well, this wolf was different. It was really, really big. Um, the account Terry gives says it's about maybe 200 pounds. 
It's a big wolf. That's a big wolf. And Terry says he's about six foot tall. And so this wolf on all fours was at about chest height. Wow. That's, that's, like that's, a, that's a really. Four, four and a half if foot. If you've ever seen a wolf, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, appro- it wasn't afraid of them. And it approached them. And it wasn't aggressive. So they're they're curious now instead of being afraid. And the wolf actually approached Terry and one of the ranch hands there and was rubbing up against them like a dog would, just like in a greeting. Mm-hmm. And so Gwen's got the children up on a flatbed trailer trying to keep them safe, keep an eye on them. But as this wolf just kind of walked around, you know, it was it was nice. You know, they were like, is this is this really a wolf or like is it a family a dog? dog? Yeah. yeah. So the kids get down and they start you know loving on it just like a big old dog and it's eating it up. They're still a little freaked out that not only is this giant wolf here but it's friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here's this friendly wolf just come wandering up. But Terry knew it's still a wolf and he knows what wolves do and true true to form. After noticing the cattle that's over there in that little corral, the wolf darts over there and actually latches on to one of the calves by the head and begins to try to pull it through the bars on the corral. So immediately, Terry pulls out a three fifty seven Magnum and fires a shot into this wolf. That's a big round. It's a big round. And it doesn't let go. So he shoots it again. Doesn't phase it. Still got a hold of this calf. So one more shot. And the wolf finally just lets go, but doesn't leave. I mean, a normal wolf, here's a gunshot. It's going to, it's going to run off. Right. It's going to, it's going to spook it enough that it's going to leave. This wolf not only heard the shot, it's been shot three times and it hadn't gone anywhere and it's not dead. It doesn't even appear injured. So it backs off a little bit, but it's staring at him. It's not being aggressive other than what it did to the calf, but it's looking right at him. So Terry fires another shot in the chest, which should have been a kill shot. And again, unfazed. So one of the ranch hands brings a shotgun. And so this time, you know, he unloads buckshot into this thing. And the the damage was visible then. Flesh, fur come off of this wolf, and it still doesn't move. It it just backs up a little bit. So one more time with the shotgun, and this time it just turns around and lopes away. Right. It it's like, yeah, I'm tired of you. Yeah, I mean it's I'm bored. You're gonna keep shooting at me. It's not mm-hmm. gonna do anything. I'm just I'm just gonna leave. So they're stunned. You know, they they're not really sure what just happened. And and this is day one. They're they're seeing something this strange. Day one. Can't kill this wolf. <laughs> you know. We we put we put four rounds in it and shot it with buckshot twice. And Super wolf. Yeah, and it and it's it just walked away. Right. Um 
So so a little strange. So now they're they're kind of on edge. So let's talk about the house that was there. So they they're moving in like I said. They go into the house and some strange things about the house. Uh number 1 there's there's huge chains bolted to the floor right inside the door. Which was odd, but after seeing this big wolf that they couldn't kill, they begin to think, well Maybe the previous owners kept guard dogs chained up right here. Right. I would. And, you know, it would alert them if any kind of animal was, you know, a dangerous animal was approaching the house. Mm -hmm. So they, they kind of passed that off. Strange, but okay. Um, but on the inside of the door, there was locks and bolts just covering the door. I mean, not not just like, hey, here's a. Here's a padlock and here's an extra, here's a deadbolt just for some security. No, I mean, all the way up and down this door. And there were bolts and locks on all the cabinets inside the house, which seems even more strange. Right. But all the doors, all the cabinet doors, they were, they, they could be bolted and locked, you know, inside the house. Um, Which is weird unless you're like a sleepwalk eater. Like if you have to keep yourself out of the now, cabinets at night. You yeah. Know? Now, you know, like you said, I, I got small kids at home. I I can remember I can remember a day where we had to put, you know, kind of a lock on the fridge. See? So yeah. maybe yeah. they maybe they just had kids who liked food. Yeah. You know, you know get out of the Dorito. <laughs> you know, save some for everybody else. So they they're they've moved in and the family begins to experience some really weird things in the house. Um, they start seeing faces appear in the windows. And if that wasn't bad enough, now the faces are becoming apparitions that appear at the foot of the bed. So now they're really getting creeped out. And on top of that, all the family members begin to start having these horrible, vivid nightmares. So nobody's getting any sleep. They, uh, they begin to sleep all in the same room just for safety. Um, but you know, everybody's just like on edge and and they're seeing these things and there's all these strange, you know, the doors being bolted, the chains in the floor. And, and, and now there's apparitions in here and we're having these horrible nightmares. They're, they're really beginning to wonder what goes on. And one of the accounts is where Gwen had come home from the grocery store. And so she's got the groceries in bags and she puts them on the counter and she's taking them out of the bags in preparation to put them away. And she thinks she sees something out of the corner of her eye. So she turns to look, doesn't see anything. But when she turns around, all the groceries are back in the bags. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? I mean, I've done stuff like that where I know I just did this. Right. You know, and I and I didn't. Right. But I, I did it in my know, head. Yeah. But I'm not unloading bags of groceries yeah taking then, 15 20 minutes to do that and yeah then, and then turning around and they're all back in the bag I, right. i'm gonna know I, I i did this yeah i put the lettuce on the counter and now it's back in the bag i'm not you know. tired for no reason that's, you know <laughs> that's, that's right you know e- even if i'm sleep deprived i'm i'm gonna know that i did something like that um they they would smell this musty smell in the house they couldn't explain it they, they couldn't figure out where it was coming from um, but it was it was there. I mean, it was a presence. 
Oh, again, you know, a lot of weird stuff about the house in general. Um, but going, going back to our topic, you know, if we're talking about skinwalkers, you know, we, we've seen a wolf that we can't kill. And so based on, you know, the, the legends of these skinwalkers, you, you shouldn't have been able to kill this wolf right. unless you did it the right way. Right. Unless that was a blessed gun. And so, yeah. And so if the previous owners, you know, experienced this, if they had any indication that it was skinwalker related, you know, they were obviously taking some precautions to protect themselves. Right. Uh, with the locks and the chains and whatnot. So other things begin to happen, you know, out outside, you know, on the property. Um, orbs of light. Family starts noticing these orbs of light. Different colors, um, yellow, white, red, blue. They would see them, and most of the time they would be in the air. So they would see them flying around too close to be an aircraft you know, not really making any noise and also not moving like an aircraft, you know, moving in 360 degree circles, moving faster than what they would consider, you know, an airplane to be able to do, or even a helicopter. Um, But, you know, being able to go up and down and sideways and then stop and hover, get closer to them, get further away. Kind of like gravity doesn't exist for it. Yeah. You know, so, um, they they would they would see this stuff and sometimes they were so bright it describes it it could light up the entire area almost like it was daylight you know and then they would they would disappear and, and the orbs in this area the the orbs are probably the most common sighting uh, of of anything else that happens you know in Skinwalker Ranch you know say if if, if you were if you were to be able to visit out there or even, you know, get close to that area. And you were fortunate or maybe unfortunate enough to actually experience something. You know, if I was a gambling man, say orbs going to be top of the list. Right. It's probably what you're going to, what you're going to see. Which makes me wonder why it's not called orb walker ranch. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, but again, we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into the significance of the orbs in, in just a few minutes. Um, there, there is a story, um, uh, specifically about the orbs and it's kind of out of order, but I'm going to tell it now because we're talking about these things. Um, there were some researchers on the property and they had dogs and the dogs were, were chasing these orbs. And so Terry, the owner, you know, the, you know, he, he owned the ranch from 94 to 96. He encourages the dogs to chase after this thing. And so they do. And so they they run off into the woods after this yellow orb. And pretty soon Terry hears the barking turn to turn to whining and whimpering. And then it stops. So he's chasing after these dogs, trying to see where they've gotten off to. And he finds three scorched areas on the ground and just this gooey pile of flesh in the middle of it. Mm. So something killed these dogs 
and emulsified and, it. And, and yeah and and killed them in a pretty unique way not something you would think a human would be able to right. do um so really really bizarre um you know no explanation and it's interesting to point out that as frequent as the orbs have been since 94 for people to to see and experience no one's ever caught them on film so anytime anybody's tried camera equipment fails batteries are dead it's moving too fast and the film doesn't develop outright you can't tell what it is or it could be anything else so there's there's no physical documentation of the orbs right none um which, you know, as we get into some of these stories, you're going to see uh, if whatever is around Skinwalker Ranch doesn't want to be recorded or filmed, it's not going to be. Right. You know, so this this is a recurring theme as far as these events. Like the Skinwalkers can shut down cameras. Yeah. So, so as I said, Terry and Gwen were, were setting up a, a cattle ranch. And so with all these cattle, and these are not just run-of-the-mill cows. I mean, these are prized Angus calves that they've got there. They are not cheap. Um, one account says these things were thousands of dollars each. They if you know any cattle farmers, that, that's about right. Yeah, you it's know, about right. That's what they go for at market. So, So they start having these cattle disappear and show up dead. Which it's disconcerting enough to just find dead cattle on your property. It's even worse when that calf probably costs three grand. Right. That's that's taking money out of your pocket. Oh, sure. So um, they say the estimate between the first year they were there, they had a 20% loss. Wow. The average for a cattle farmer is 1% over a year. So this is devastating yep. financially for these folks. Yep. High, so, I think, what, 5% as the high normally? Yeah. You know, yeah. High average 5% loss. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this stuff is not just affecting them emotionally. It's not just frightening them. It's, you know, it's impacting their finances, their mm-hmm. ability to make a living. Um, some of the calves they would find would have their genitals mutated, mutated, mutilated. I can't talk. We can all hope for mutated ones. <laughs> uh, one had its eye removed, and it appeared almost surgical the way it was removed. Um, this was a this was a later event after Terry had sold the fa- uh, sold the ranch, but they found a calf split in half, laid out spread eagle. One leg was ripped at the knee joint, but laid next to it almost as if it was staged. And this calf was completely drained of blood, yet there was no blood on the ground around it. So they're looking at this like, as strange as this looks, we know one thing for sure, that no natural predator did this. Right. You know, there, there's not an, another animal that could do this to another animal. Right. Drain the blood and not get it all over the grass and right, right. Um, they they did have one that had its ear removed, 
it was cut cleanly. And the curious thing about that case is that ear had a yellow tag on it and they could never find the tag. So again, a natural predator is not going to be able to cleanly take an ear off, not no. ripped off, cut off. And, and they're not going to eat that tag. Right. So you, you should be able to find the cattle tag somewhere around there. Yep. Gone, completely gone. So, Sleep was very little, you yeah. know, at the at the Sherman house. And I um, wouldn't sleep either. Yeah, kids' grades were were slipping. Um, it, it just got to be too much. So Terry Sherman went to um, to a a, a a a reporter, and and he told him his story, you know, about what he's experienced over the last two years, and because of that story an unlikely buyer came up uh a man named uh, Robert Bigelow who was a hotel entrepreneur paid Terry $200,000 to buy the ranch so robert is not deuce's uncle it <laughs> <laughs> took me a minute you know Ob- obscure old comedy movie references you're yeah. welcome yeah is that is that Rob Schneider that was? Yeah, in that? I think so. Oh yeah. my god, yep. that that tells everybody that I actually saw that movie mm-hmm. at some point in time. Um, I'm not proud of that, but I'm, I got the reference. I'm not proud of my joke either. So <laughs> we're both in this. We're together. talking way too much about this joke, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so so yeah, so Bigelow buys the ranch and decides he's going to turn it into a research facility. So. He names it the National Institute for Discovery Science, or or NIDS for short, um, which I was kind of curious. I'm like, do you come up with the name first and then the acronym, or do you try to come up with a cool acronym and then make a name that fits? That's the way I would do it. <laughs> yeah, because, man, you could really get some terrible acronyms, you yep. know? <laughs> Well, you know, we shortened it and it became Nerptals. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Bigelow hires uh, a veterinarian, a biochemist, um, and a physicist to come and begin doing research on the property. The Shermans moved to a ranch about twenty-five miles away, but Terry agreed to stay on to manage the cattle that were there. As bait. Right. Since so much has been happening to the cattle, if we're going to research this, we got to keep some here. So so Terry was there to to take care of the cattle uh, while these folks were going to be doing their research. So over the course of, um, you know, the the first few few months or so while, while the research was going on, Bigelow hires a journalist named George Knapp. Now, when you get into um, looking into this, George Knapp is a name you're going to see quite a bit. Um, you know, he's wrote, written a book about skinwalkers. He's written a book about, you know, the skinwalker ranch and, and, and the things that he experienced while he was there. Um, one of the first experiences that, that uh, Knapp had was seeing uh, a bright yellow orb one night in the sky. And he describes it as, is moving as fast as a jet. And 
unlike a jet, it it would make a 360 degree loop and then fly off quickly, right? You know, and just be gone. So he's now heard about this, and now he's here. And you got a journalist. It's like, yeah, okay, all this stuff's happening. I want to experience firsthand. Guess what? Show up, bam, or right out of the gate. So, you know, if I'm a journalist, I'm hooked. Yep, made a believer. Like, all right, quick. I, I, all right, I'm here. We got it. We got to figure out what's going on. We, we you know, so so the the team continues to grow and the activity continues to grow. Um. So. One night, like I said, the dogs were, they didn't dig all this stuff. You know, you know, animals are sensitive to this and, and especially dogs. Um, you know, this kind of activity, it's got them on edge. In fact, one description says that after going out, that when they would go out and, and kind of research or patrol or, or investigate, they would go with two people and a dog. So they had these dogs here to take with them, you know, to protection, you right. know, to, to sniff out something, to see how they reacted. Well, they got the dogs in the pen. They couldn't get them out for about two days. I mean, they were like, we're, we're out, dude. Yep. I, I'm done. I, I ain't barking at nothing. I'm going to sit right here. Yep. I'm cool, man. You go. They, they finally got the dogs, you know, back acclimated to going out. One night they hear the dog start howling and barking and, and just raising cane. And so they went out to investigate. And so they were using the spotlights from the trucks and they found a calf that was separated from the herd, which usually means that calf is in some sort of distress. Mm -hmm. So they, they go out there to see what's going on. Is there an animal out there that's, that's hunting it? What something's going on. And so they get out there and, in the distance, they see these two glowing amber eyes. So they shoot at it. And, and after they've shot at it a few times, the eyes disappear. So immediately they're loading up. They're driving out there to see what was this? You know, they're thinking, you know, it was a, it was a coyote. It was a mountain lion. It, it was a predatory animal. And we're going to go out here and either find a dead animal or we're going to find track so that we can see where it went. They get out there, and not only do they not find a dead animal, they don't find any tracks. So they start looking around, and they find a print, a single print, but it's not a cat. It's a bird, and it's a large bird. So they measured this print, and it was obviously a bird of prey because they noticed that there were two claw marks in this print, but they said that it was six inches in diameter good lord six inches half a foot that's a that's a giant bird foot mm -hmm. okay so and as deep as it was in the mud they estimated that not only was this bird large it was heavy you know so a big powerful bird they found one other print about 20 feet away that's a giant pterodactyl yeah <laughs> a pterodactyl yes <laughs> you know so Again, they they didn't find any other any other evidence, nothing else. Thought they were going after, you know, a cat, a big cat of some type. Mm -hmm. Nope. Big even bigger bird. Right. 
So things are, you know, continuing to escalate and get stranger and stranger and stranger. Now, this next thing, this is just one of these, hey, let's just, let's just creep you the hell out. Let's just, let's really, let's really turn up, turn up the volume on this activity. Mm -hmm. So along with these calves and, and the other cattle they had, they had four bulls on the ranch and I've never messed with a bull. Um, you know, the guy kept cows across the street from where I grew up. You know, about all I knew about cows was that they stand around and eat grass. Yeah. So I don't really know, but I, I will take their word for it that bulls are not easy animals to control. No. And much less four of them. I knew several guys who had cattle farms back home, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're stubborn. They, and Yeah. So... They had these four bulls and they had them in a, in a, in an enclosure, in a corral, a metal corral. And so they go out there one day and the bulls are gone. So we got four of these guys. Now all four didn't get up and just run away and they, they couldn't see where any of them had gotten out of this corral. Right. So they start looking around and just out of curiosity, Terry goes over to this old unused cattle trailer and guess what's inside all the bulls <laughs> all four <laughs> bulls in a cattle trailer they're not supposed to be in there much less four of them right now the reason this is so curious is this like i said it was an old cattle trailer it was locked and it had wire around wrapped around the lock and there were cobwebs on the door. So however they got in there, they didn't go through the door because right. it wasn't disturbed. And it'd be tough enough to get one bull that doesn't want to go inside a cattle trailer in there. Try four. Mm -hmm. Virtually impossible. Plus, they're kind of squeezed in there as it is. But they're not making any noise. And so Terry says they're almost like they're in a trance until he kind of quote unquote, wakes them up and then they get really agitated. You know, they want out of this thing. So they kind of have to fight, but they got to be careful because this is a bull and now it's an agitated one and we got four of them. Somebody's going to get trampled to death. For sure. So they take the time to get these bulls out of this trailer, still wondering how in the heck did they get in there? Mm -hmm. And they notice something even more strange that where the trailer was pushed up against the metal of the corral it's magnetized and not just a little bit like it's a high level uh, of a magnetic field and then they notice the entire corral the, all the bars that make up the corral are magnetized and so they start checking out all this equipment and everything and, and they're looking and they're going this is like a ridiculously huge magnetic field what's going on here that would magnetize this and so they watch it and they watch the mag the magnetic field just gradually reduce slower and slower, slower until it's zero. Hmm. So it, 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 now they're they're just baffled. I mean, it was strange enough to find the bulls in this cattle trailer, and, and now the the thing has been become magnetized. So, I mean, the researchers' interest is even more peaked, and and, and so now that they they've noticed this. 
they start looking for this elsewhere and they find other areas of a high magnetic field throughout the ranch. What they noticed was that wherever they could find these magnetic fields, that's where the animals would act weird and that's where the activity would be. So a gate that was closed would open by itself, you know, padlocks would open by themselves or go completely missing, you know, and, and, and missing items was kind of commonplace around here. You know, things would go missing from the house. They would show up somewhere else. Things would go missing from the ranch. They would show up somewhere else or maybe not. Poltergeist activity. Yeah. Something that you just, you know, you just, this was here. It's been here. It's been here for a year and that's gone. You know, where'd it go? You know, really strange. It it also plays into this whole trickster, Mm -hmm. you know, mentality. You know, I'm going to do this just to mess with you. Yep. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you, but I'm going to do anything that's going to make you kind of, whoa, Where'd this go? What happened to that? Something that just gets in your head. And we talked about skinwalkers turning into coyotes a lot. Coyote in the Navajo tradition is the trickster. It's the trickster animal. And really not just in Navajo, but in all Native American legends. If a coyote is involved, it's a trickster. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're, we're... it feels like we're we're getting off topic here, telling these stories about the ranch. But where this where this ranch is located, and the history, um, the Native American history of that area, and the legend of the Skinwalkers, it, it's all right there. I mean, all of it is just right there. Right. So the idea that there's these animals that don't act exactly right. It really speaks to this idea of they're skinwalkers. Here. Right. Cause that, like you said, the, the tradition <laughs> of that area being cursed or something along those lines, it's been around since, I mean, for eons, Yeah, you know, the native American tribes, did not go on that land. Right. You know, they, they steered clear of it because of that being the land where the skinwalkers would gather for their rituals and all their black magic and everything. You got it. Um, another story, Terry and Gwen were driving back to their ranch. As I said, they lived in a ranch about 25 miles away and they saw this animal, attacking the horses and so from a distance terry thought it looks like a hyena so he got out and he was going to chase it off now the description of this hyena was that it was much larger than a than what they would figure would be a hyena and it was red in color which was strange enough but when terry got close enough to this thing it disappeared just vanished right in front of his face now, the big weird thing about it is this is this is North America, and there's no hyenas in North America. Right. You know, so, I mean, yeah, it's weird that it's a red hyena, but it's a hyena. It's a hyena. So. Looked like, looked look like a hyena. and But this was not the only sighting. Even people outside of the ranch, there's reports of an animal very similar to this description 
red fur, bushy, large moves and looks about like a hyena, which if, if you've ever seen one, even on a national national geographic show, right? They're weird looking things anyway. So yeah. it's not something that you'd go, is that a hyena? You know, you're like, God, that looks like a hyena yeah. over there yeah. and a red one to boot. Um, so kind of r- wrapping up some of these stories that happened specifically on the ranch in 1997. Now, three years after uh, the Sherman sold the ranch to Bigelow and. Hey, Sorry about that. Dallas hey. is making an appearance. <laughs> Dallas says you need to shut up and yeah. wrap this up. No, <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I think I, I misspoke these dates. Um, 97 would be um, three years after the Shermans moved, about a year after they sold it to Bigelow. Some researchers are out doing some investigating and they see a yellow orb. So they're, they're chasing this orb. They're, they're wanting to kind of get some, some evidence. They're trying to take a picture of it. And what they describe is before their eyes, the orb transforms into a tunnel. So they're looking at this tunnel and one of them says, there's something in that tunnel. There's something in there. And they describe a shadowy humanoid type figure that emerges from the tunnel. And then the tunnel closes in and the orb's gone and it's dark again. But they said they could feel that whatever came out of that tunnel was in the darkness with them. So they immediately begin to to search around to try to find something. Who that was or what that was, they're trying to find. They search till the morning, still can't find anything. So, um, you know, we're fixing to go off on a tangent that, <laughs> you, you know, if, if you've not ever heard of this place, you know, you're, you're not going to believe it. Um, but this is going to, this is going to take us into a direction that we, we would need an entirely second episode right? to, to fully go where, where this has taken us. But it's this idea that there's a portal here. And there are a lot of people that because of the energy that surrounds this area, they believe that there is legitimately a portal in this area. At least one. At least one. Right. Um, so, you know, Adam and I were talking, you know, prior to the show about the Four Corners area. And and you, you mentioned something about about ley lines being in that area right there at Four Corners. Yeah, uh, Four Corners, which is kind of a, a little distance away from the Skinwalker Ranch, but there are three ley lines that kind of make a triangle around the Four Corners area, and a couple of those actually travel up and go past the Skinwalker Ranch area. And if you go look at the geomagnetic field that, you know, there there are maps on Google where you can 
search for the geomagnetic field of a, just a particular state or of the world or whatever. But if you do the geomagnetic field of Utah, there are massive differences all over. So big fluctuations all over the state. But up in the corner where the ranch is, there looks to be a circular field of electromagnetic energy. Doesn't complete a full circle, but it's like the 80% of a donut, which portal, you know, that's looks like a portal. Yeah. A donut with a bite out of it. Pretty much, yeah. It's a portal. Pretty much. And um with so pink, pink frosting and spring. Pink frost yep, exactly. <laughs> mm, donuts. But there's also there have been rock samples done of that area. And again, the tangent that Matt talked about. Um in those rock samples, uh, they pulled up a lot of quartzite. So a bunch of different colors of quartzite and limestone. Now, we've talked before in previous episodes that limestone and quartz are known to hold energy. And every, not now every watch, because now watches are digital and everything, but timepieces, older timepieces that actually have hands that move that probably half the people don't know how to read anymore because <laughs> um, everything's digital. Um, I still have to count when I do it. I'm like, okay, five, ten, ten. <laughs> never mind. Um, but they use a form of quartz in there because it transfers an electromagnetic field. And so it makes the clock movements precise. And it's theorized that in different areas of the paranormal research that quartz and limestone will actually resonate or store energy of paranormal activity. You combine that with the rivers that are there or the underground water sources, and you've got a theoretical paranormal battery. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we've talked about it in different places of towns that are haunted or in, you know, we talked about it in the Thomas House Hotel yep. Yep. Uh, that it just kind of holds energy and, you know, spirits and everything are drawn to that because of the the power of the running water, the the movement of it. They're drawn to that energy source. Right. Because they need energy to manifest, and they're drawn to the quartz that are holding the energy and everything. So, if you want to look at it from that sense, you know, put on your tinfoil hat and and think about it that way. Yeah. Then you're, you know, this area is, I mean, it's destined for paranormal activity in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be the orbs or the ghosts or the vortexes or whatever you want to call it it's you know destined to be that way even right. geologically speaking right and if there's if there's any single theme that runs underneath all of these stories that we're talking about tonight and that we've talked about in the past with 
the Thomas House, South Pittsburgh Hospital, mm-hmm. and Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, yeah. I mean, this just this just is so similar to what's what gone what has gone on in that area of you know Massachusetts, right? You know, and it is so similar. We've talked about just just a few things that have happened here. But if, if you, if you just look at those, you're looking at cattle mutilations, orbs, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, uh, the naturally strong, uh, the preternaturally strong wolves, right? Yeah. Wolves that you can't kill. Right. Um, shadowy figures, you know, emerging from what appears to be a tunnel. Right. Um, poltergeist activity yeah. in the house. And and we haven't even touched on the the UFO ideology that, that's come with some of this, especially with the orbs. Right. Um, but, you know, if you look into just the Skinwalker Ranch stuff, I mean, you know, there's uh, disembodied voices, not like a ghost disembodied voice. Like you get the sense that there are two people having a conversation in your presence that you can't see about you. Right. Um, there have been stories of uh, what looks like a, a Native American shaman. Uh, some people say that he could be the keeper of this portal. Right. Um, oh, the sound of a helicopter flying right overhead. Like it's 20 feet above you, but you can't see it. You can hear it. Right. But you can't see it. Um, you know, uh, a ship that has been described as something similar to the stealth bomber, you know, a very odd shape, dark, you know, dark color, black, you know, that, that flies overhead for, you know, for no apparent reason. It makes a, a pass over and then yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Then it's gone. Um, so uh, just a plethora of different experiences people have had in this area Similar to Bridgewater Triangle, where you're talking about, you know, ghosts, again, with Native American, right. uh, uh, you know, sightings, um, you know, Bigfoot, all that stuff. It's just such a such a conglomeration of, of different experiences, and, and they all have the one thing in common, energy. Right. Running water, limestone, quartz, energy, you know, and, and how the land just holds on, you know, mm-hmm. to these things. And, you know, it, we, we mentioned in that episode ab- about the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, a portal there, you know, it, it just, you know, makes sense. If if you buy into this, you know, this sounds like a portal here too. Right. Right. You know, so um, we, we say this, I, I feel like we say this a lot on episodes that we, we research so many stories and we got so much information and we try to condense it down to provide it to you guys. And sometimes we have to cut out some things we've got. I mean, I, I probably got another 30, 45 minutes worth of stories that we're mm-hmm. not, we're not going to get into, but if this stuff is interesting to you at all, which I mean, it, it's probably one of the most interesting topics we've covered. Um, Certainly one of the weirdest yeah, ones. Go do some research on your own. Definitely go and check out the three-part um, series that the uh, Scott and Forrest on Astonishing, Astonishing Legends, Legends did. Um, you know, they go into a little bit more depth in, in some of these stories. Um, 
they they definitely go into more of the history and and some of the science behind this right um you know but it, it's just fascinating you know that we're talking about another part of the country with activity like this um that's you know really you know on, on the opposite end mm-hmm. you know so uh look into it i think i think you'll be uh you'll be really surprised you're probably going to find some things that even adam and i didn't oh, didn't yeah. uncover oh i'm sure um but uh yeah a, a, a really am- amazing topic to to research and discuss right and we hope you know that we didn't confuse you too much and throw too much at you but if you enjoyed it we invite you to come back next week well no next week we're off hey we're hey. off ne- hey we're off next we're week we're off next week what are you going to do with your off week um probably research yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But so we're off next week, but come back the week after and we will have a new episode for you. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or you know, call us if you got our number, you know. Just, <laughs> if you yeah. somehow happen to if know you, us personally. Right. Uh <laughs> shoot us an email and uh, any thoughts on the skinwalker ranch or skinwalkers in general yeah and if you know anything that we didn't cover and you want to talk to us about it if you're navajo and you know something yeah definitely hit us absolutely. up absolutely you know but uh you know we we like talking to you guys and we appreciate it when you post on our facebook page and you email us your thoughts and ideas and just weirdness yep. and Please go give us a rating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you listen to us on on iTunes or Stitcher or Audio Boom um, or any of your other podcast providers, go there and and leave us a review and give us a rating. It is the way that people will find us, and we can bring more people into the graveyard. Uh, we are we say this. I feel like every episode we are overwhelmed with the the positive response that we've gotten from you guys. Oh yeah. It gives us the fuel to keep going. So if you, if you enjoy the show, Adam and I love doing it. Uh, we want to keep it going. Give us, uh, give us positive reviews, you know, and, and that that's going to bring even more people here. Oh, absolutely. So again, we thank you for joining us and we hope to see you back next week here in the graveyard. Yep. See ya. See ya.